Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. message entitled people of presence and it's a glorious title it's a great title how many people say amen amen but see to be people of presence you have to come to the understanding that God has created us to be relational and uh, why I say that is because you can't receive presence if you don't have a relationship it's very important to be an individual to understand that God's presence could be right here at this very moment but you not know it and miss out on it because you don't have a relationship with him it's very clear that that's understandable, right? So the reason why I said is because today, in order for you to understand the sermon or even the title or even to get this whole thing about God, it starts off with a relationship because without a relationship, you can't receive anything. Like if you don't know the person, you'll just never receive what the person has for you. So today I want to talk a little bit about relationships before we get started. But uh, the number one enemy in relationships and uh, to receive the presence of God is separation. How many people know that? Separation. Here's a clear definition of what separation is. It's the action or state of being moved apart. And it continues to say the division of something into a distinct element. Meaning that once you were somewhere and together with something and because separation has happened, you've been moved apart and now you are no longer one. So separation is something that is key when we think about relationships. Today, you're probably sitting next to somebody you know. If you're here sitting next to somebody you don't know, you might be here for the first time. But relationships are key. They're super key in, in life. And the reason why I say this is because separation will come to destroy any relationship. Just like our relationship with Christ. The enemy comes to separate. And how does he do that? How does, God, how does the enemy, you know, separate our relationship with the Lord? Here are some things that I found in my life that bring separation. All right, and, and, and if I don't say them all, obviously, because there's so many separations in this world, hopefully you come up with maybe something that may be separating you with the Lord today. So the first thing is distraction. I don't know if you guys have ever been distracted, but distractions are horrible. They're like everyday battles. Distractions are there all the time. I've recognized in my life, and, you know, to, to hold a relationship to the standards of the Lord, I like using marriage because marriage is the closest thing that God uses to our relationship with him the bride of Christ, his love towards us, and it goes on and on and on. But I've recognized that in my relationship with my spouse, the enemy brings certain things to bring us separation. And when that separation is built, then we don't communicate. And before you know it, we're living in the same home and we're sleeping in the same bed, but we're not on the same page. So can you bring me that? Um, I've asked them to bring me this and, and you can help out. Yeah, sure. You raised your hand. Pick somebody else out to help you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, help you out, yeah. Yeah, her husband, that's perfect. So I want you to separate this thing and, and uh, hold it at one end. Is there a married couple in the house that you're sure of your marriage? A, a, a married couple that you're sure of your marriage? Uh, can you please raise your hand? Uh, a married couple? Yeah, you raise your hand first. Come on. You need your, your, you need your spouse. Yeah. Yeah, geez. Yeah, open it up. Just open it up completely. Yeah, open it up there. So I want you to stand over there, and then you stand right here, and just open it up. Open it up like, yeah, there should be more. Is there more, or is that it? Oh, this is it. Okay, well, that's fine. Well, we're going to think that this is an entire sheet, okay, that goes from here all the way to the bottom. So I want you to stand right in front of me over here, and I want you to stand right here. Yeah, right there. And spouses, please stand on that side, and you stand on this side. Just face the church right here. There you go. And then you can face the church there. Let's, you're doing great. You're doing great. All right, so. Um, just hold it at one end, one end, just one end, oh, one end, one end, one end like this, there you go, and you too, okay, there you go, right, there you go, get it together, guys, they're happily married, and they're on the same page, guys, so this is what I want to talk about today, you guys can get closer, you guys are happily married, and I, you guys were sure of yourself, there we go, there we go, there we go, so in our lives as we are married, and, and you know, you could use this analogy with anything, in relationships, in your jobs, in ministry, across the board. There are certain things, right, that get in the way in marriages. For example, daily distractions, may it be your jobs, may it be other relationships, may it be money, may it be the enemy himself. And 
I say this because as we live our lives married and, and, and we live our lives of relationship, there are things that bring separation. And separation brings a division amongst us. And, you know, and maybe when you first got married, you know, you were, you were here, you know. There was like, it was, you know, storybook, you know. Like I'm talking about like it's all you ever wanted. You had the marriage you wanted. I mean, everything was great. And you started off there. But the minute you moved in together and you started seeing how crazy we really are, um, at least if you did it right, I don't know what the situation was and I'm not judging. But when you walk into this house with this person that you've been with forever, things start happening, man. And things start getting in the way and they start creating like a, a separation. You want to hold that tight? Yeah, there we go. That a girl. So distractions come and, and, and just this wall starts getting higher and higher and higher. And although you're married, there's a separation, you know. And in relationships, although we have a relationship, something happens that, that it gets in the way. And before you know it, there's like this big wall before you guys, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to get a little bit higher because he's a little taller. There we go. So imagine if this was all the way to the floor here. There can be times in our lives where there's a wall of separation amongst us. Although we're married and you could speak to each other. You guys want to talk to each other a little bit there? Just say something. Say how much you love her, man. Come on. Yeah, no, you can't touch her. There's separation. Um, can, can you... With the veil there, you can't see your face, right? You try to kiss her there, please. Try to kiss her there. Yeah, there. No, no. You can't go under the veil. Through the veil. Try to kiss there. Yeah, go ahead. Try. You know, when there's separation, you lose a little bit of intimacy. And you really can't see each other. You know, uh, tell her how much you love her, man. Don't look at her. You can't look over there, man. You got to stay. There's a separation, man. What? Yeah, that's what I like to hear. You like that? You want to hear it again? You want to hear it again? Yeah. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them how much you love them. There you go. You know, you, don't, you can't see each other, though. You can't see his expression. You know, you can talk to each other, but there's something in the way. My point here today, so as, as you understand this whole presence, relationship, status that God has created us to be, when there is something in the way, our relationship is affected. Thank you, guys. appreciate that. And I, I wanted to start off by that because in Scripture, the Old Testament, it is clear to see many things in Scripture that are concealed, and then in the New Testament, they are revealed. And when I say that, it's, it's examples like the serpent being lifted up on a staff and that's something concealed at the moment. And in the New Testament, it was revealed in Jesus Christ being hung on a cross. So there are things in the Old Testament that are concealed that then in the New Testament are revealed. For example, the manna falling from the sky and then being provided nourishment and life. In the book of John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That is the revealed example of something concealed in the Old Testament. And I'm saying this because there's one symbolic teaching in the Old Testament, which is the tabernacle, which is the greatest example of the redemptive state of mankind and God. And I say that because if you guys have ever looked into the tabernacle and the holy place and the holy of holies, you know that there was something there that separated the holy place and the most holy of places. And what was that? The veil. Something sort of like a separation. And that's exactly what it was. I tried to resemble today's example of separation in this veil. Because the veil is what separates our relationships. And in the Old Testament, what separated God's relationship with man was that veil. And when you, you hear veil, you may be like, hmm, veil, what is that? Well, think about when people get married, when, when the ladies wear their veil that you can't really see. And the definition of a veil is something that is spread out to cover or something to conceal and something to separate. And we talked about separation because that's the key of being people of presence to recognizing that you must remove separation. That whatever is there that is separating your relationship with God, you must remove it in order to dwell in presence. So today I'm, I'm going to start off teaching and then I'll go off the walls and start preaching in a little bit. But I need you to understand what we're talking about before I get into it. You guys get it? So this veil in the Old Testament, it was symbolic. 
As a matter of fact, in Scripture, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, and we all, we all, in the book of Corinthians, it says we all. That means everyone who's come to the understanding of Jesus says, with what kind of faces? What kind of faces? Unveiled faces. It says, and we all with who unveiled faces. And that's very important. Because saying that you have an unveiled faith says that you have nothing that separates you between the Father and yourself. Meaning that anything that brings separation has been removed and now you have a clear look at who God is and you have an unveiled face. That now there's nothing that separates you, that you have clear access and you know who God is. And that's what, is, that's what means people of presence. People who have a relationship with God and see God for who he is and God can reveal himself for who he is. So listen to this verse. It says, with those with unveiled faces can contemplate the Lord's glory. That means to think about. I want to let you know that if there is something in your life that is separating you from the Father, you don't even think about him. I want to be clear because there's times in our lives that when we're going through something and it, and, and it has affected us in a way where we are separated from God, the last thing we think about is God. Although you trust that he's your savior, you don't trust him as a friend. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Like something that has separated you to the point that you don't even think about him anymore. You don't think about him the way you used to think about him. You don't have the passion that you used to have for him. It's because something has separated you. And although you come to church, there's a veil. And although you come to prayer, there's a veil. Just like when you're married, you sleep in the same bed, but there's a veil. There's a separation. There's something wrong in the relationship. And when there's something wrong in a relationship, you and I know that intimacy is not the way it's supposed to be. You can have intimacy, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. You could talk to each other, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's the way it is with the Lord. He wants your faces unveiled with no separation, nothing that covers you. You're open with God. God is not a God of separation. God is a God who's broken all sorts of separation. Are we all on the same page this morning? So we keep reading and it says, so that I can think about the glory of God. It says, and being transformed into the image with increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is in the spirit. So this morning, I, I, I love this word, transform, transformed or transformation. We love to say that word, I'm transformed. You know, maybe you say it and you don't know what that means, but can anyone shout out what maybe what you feel, what the definition of transformed is all about? When you say, I've been transformed. Changed. Changed is the correct answer. But there's a word before change that's very important where it means dramatically changed. Dramatically changed. That's what transformed means. Like a, a, something dramatic happened in your life that you are no longer the same and you've become something different. Someone new. That God created something out of nothing. That once you were dead and now you were alive. That's drastic. It's not just a change because you come on a Sunday morning or it's a change because you don't curse anymore or it's a change because you don't smoke anymore because that's nonsense when you come to the big picture of, of what a drastic change is all about a drastic change is about this that your soul that was condemned to hell now has access to the father and you can sit in the most glorious of places with the father that is a dramatic change in our lives not just because of the physical exterior look but what God has done on the inside sometimes the most drastic changes are things you can't even see you know, we still, we still give glory to God, the fact that we don't smoke or curse, and that happened 20 years ago. I love it. I love it. Where are we at in today's day and age in our relationship with the Lord? So talking about people of presence and, and discussing, you know, the different types of things that are concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament, there is a veil in the Old Testament that I want to talk about. And this is very important for you to understand before I get into the sermon. This veil separated God's divine, glorious presence. And you know, people were okay with living outside of that. Can you imagine if the ark, the covenant, the, the glory of God, the presence of God was right here and what separated you was a veil. And what a veil was, was just something to separate, that brings separation. 
Some of us would be like, man, I'm dying to get in there. You'd be standing there just kind of trying to get the most of what you can. And some of us would be okay on the outskirts just saying the presence of God is there and I'm here and that's okay. But I want you to check this out because when they did the veil, when the veil was instructed to be done, it was interesting because God instructed a cherubim to be in front of that veil. Now, you guys may be saying, man, what's a cherubim? But I want to get into this because you won't understand where I'm going if you don't listen here. In this veil look and this, the veil before you, there was a cherubim. And you find the cherubim in the book of Genesis where it was a, a, an angel of guard where it stood before, sort of like a warning. And it's interesting because in the Old Testament, when you see the veil, it, it was of warning because God said, listen, I haven't dealt with sin and you can't have this. The presence of God was in one place. There was a separation and there was a cherubim. The veil served as a warning. So those people who are taking down notes, number one, the veil, right? It served as a warning for people who who would approach it and recognize that God is holy and man is sinful. We must understand that. Because if you don't understand that, then you won't appreciate and value the presence of God. Because some of us take it for granted, the fact that we could walk into the presence of God. Where in the Old Testament, there was a veil and it was a warning to those people to say, you cannot come in here. And you cannot come in here because I have not dealt with sin. And if you come in here, you're going to receive death. There was a separation between man and God. It's simple and it's clear. There was a clear separation with this veil. This veil was placed there by God to say, listen, not only is it a warning, but I love you and I want to warn you. And it's not that God was an unfaithful God or he was a mean God and he didn't want to give you his presence. It was his grace and it was protection over your life. So when I see that veil in the Old Testament, not only is it a warning to say, hey, you can't come in here yet because I haven't dealt with your sin, but he's saying this, I love you enough to warn you and keep you out of this because I'm going to protect you right about now. So how many of us have children in the house? You have children? All right, so when I was teaching Aaliyah to bike ride, I I remember telling her, listen, sweetie, you, you can't go into the road. He said, that I want to go into the road. I said, no, no, there's some limitations here. And it's not because I don't love you, but it's, it's safer for you. I, I need you to stay on the sidewalk. I can't let you get over to the other side. Because if I let you cross over, it's not about you. It's just that there's things crossing and cars coming that it might be dangerous for you. So listen, I'm going to give you some limitations and I, I don't want you to go outside. For her understanding she didn't get it she just thought I was mean but for me it was my grace and my love and my mercy so that she wouldn't get hurt so before we jump into the new testament and start shouting and clapping for joy you must understand the concealed aspect of the veil you guys got it are we on the same page let's jump into this this morning so now as it serves as a warning and you recognize that it was a wall God's love is meant for us. His presence is meant for us to not be a memory. It's meant to be a lifestyle. God's presence is not a memory. It's a lifestyle. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. This Old Testament, it's it's amazing. And it shows so much, you know, it's rich and, and it teaches so much. And you, some things you might be like, man, I don't understand it. But the honest truth is that if you jump over to the New Testament, it's all revealed. And the truth is, is that despite the fact of the the veil and the Old Testament and everything that I've spoken to you about, you have to understand that God was still wanting to be relational with his people. And God wanted his people to be a people of presence. He wanted them to. So God realized, hey, there's a problem here, right? There's a gap in this relationship. And you guys know it's a new covenant. It's when Jesus came. And God realized, man, there's a separation between my presence and my people. And I don't want this to be like this any longer. So so God says, man, I got to figure something out. Let's do something about this. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you know this, that the veil was torn from top to bottom. That means that every separation in this world that has been created or we create God sent his son Jesus to destroy so that we can have relationship with him and dwell in his presence. Come on, give him a clap offering this morning because he is awesome. So you see, God desires to be a God of presence, a God of relationship, but he recognizes that there's things in our lives really that get in the way. 
So, you know, it's interesting to understand a verse where it says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate. I want you to listen to that word, separate. There's no veil. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because he tore the veil from top to bottom. There's absolutely nothing that could remain between you and God. Now that you understand the whole picture of this veil and the, and the, and the relationship that God had in the Old Testament, God says, I want something real with you. I want something that I can see you, that I can talk to you. But in order for me to have that, I need to be relational with you. And you need to put aside the things that rise up every single day so it's like a battle that God wants a relationship with you but the enemy wants to put up separation in your life and I'm here to tell you today that nothing is impossible for God so that he could destroy whatever it is in your life today that you can't see God for what he is today in the Bible as you read scripture you notice God's desire for people his love for humanity. The fact that he desires us and that he wants us. Like think about that. Think about the fact that God sent his son Jesus to tear every separation that divided man and God. Think about that. The fact that you didn't deserve to be in his presence. But the fact that God created a plan and he dealt with sin so that you could enter into his presence. That you could look at God in the face. That he could speak and whisper in your ear. All these things happen because God destroyed every separation that is made before man and him. The truth is this, is that we live our lives every single day allowing different separations to be built. And before you know it, you're in a relationship that there's a veil and you really can't see God. And you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I mean... It's been a long time of me doing church and dealing with people. I really have seen people who desire a concealed relationship with God versus a revealed relationship with God. Now, let me tell you what that means. That means that you want to have a relationship of the Old Testament while God has revealed a relationship of the New Testament. Where you say, okay, God, I know you're there. I, I'm going to offer this to you and I'm going to offer that to you and I'm going to give you my money and I'm going to go to the movies at 2 o'clock and I'm going to do all these things, but you're still living on the outskirts and you haven't gone in through the Holy of Holies into his mere presence because you desire something concealed versus something revealed. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And the glory of God, to see God face to face, it's not in a concealed manner in the Old Testament relationship. God says he wants you to be in a revealed status. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to tell you, I am the bread of life. He wants to tell you, he who is thirsty, come and drink. I am that rock that flows water from. I am that person. And all these things that God has spoken in the Old Testament, it's enough for them at that moment. But God had something greater in regards to revealing himself and fulfilling his word with Jesus. Are we on the same place today here this morning? You know, the greatest thing that we could do as people in the church is understand that there is a presence of God that God has invited us to come into. And that he says to you this morning, come. 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 An invite from God to say, come. Come to me. So that you can realize that you can grab everything that makes you naturally and say, God, in the natural, I cannot do it. I, I need to put this in a place where you have to act out, God. I need to see you for who you are. I need to grab this marriage, this relationship, this ministry. I got to grab myself and put it in a place where I can see you. And it's not in the natural. It's in the supernatural. And see, God's presence to be in his relationship is to say this, God, allow me to grab everything that is natural and place it in the supernatural. Because this is what he's saying. I tore the veil so that you could boldly come in. I tore the veil so that you could boldly come in, not so that you could stay on the outskirts and watch me. So see, the Bible instructs you to come, and he says, come boldly before my presence. 
Come boldly as an individual that recognizes and understands the relationship that he wants with you. A relationship that he wants you to dwell now in the holy of holies. Do you know what that means? That you grab everything of the natural and you place it in the supernatural. And you say, God, have at it because I can't do it. Where God says, I want you to come in. I want you to take that step now that I've torn the veil from top to bottom. Somebody shout top to bottom with me. Top to bottom. One more time. Top to bottom. That's what God has done. So I'm here to tell you today that your marriage, he tore it from top to bottom. Your child, he tore it from top to bottom. Come on, with me. Your church, from top to bottom. Come on, do it with me. Your relationships, from top to bottom. There's nothing that should separate you. God has given you the power and the authority through his son Jesus to tear everything that brings any separation. So if there's any addiction there, God says, I tore it from top to bottom. What does he say? Nothing shall separate you. Why? Because he tore it from top to bottom. People of presence. When you recognize that God says, come on in, I want you in here, come on in. It's for people to say, you tore from top to bottom. I'm giving too much authority and I'm giving too much thought on the, on the thing that's before me. And I'm not concentrating that Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day. As a matter of fact, the word says, death, where is your sting? And because of that, I can walk into his mere presence. And so many times we give so much attention on what tries to separate us on the person who broke every separation. People of presence. People of presence. It's not that you know there's presence here. It's when you walk in. And you say, Lord, I'm undone in your presence. Like the prophet says, woe is me. Woe is me. When the prophet says, with these un unclean lips, woe is me. Because when you're in the mere presence of God and your people of presence, then real transformation occurs. And that's where it's at, church. People to recognize that there is nothing that separates you from the love of God. Now, I don't say that in a fairy tale or something to make your stomach feel nice this morning. Because I'll tell you what, you can't separate yourself. Your actions bring a wall before God. And people love to say nothing shall separate you from the love of God. And, and it makes people think that they could continue living their life and sinning against their marriage and sinning against their brother and living a life lukewarm and think that they can be okay with this world. And you come in church and you're like a 007 spy. You change your outfit and you go out into the world and you're just like the world. And, oh, nothing shall separate you. You can come in the next day and be the same. No, that's nonsense. The reason why I say nothing shall separate you from the love of God is because Jesus Christ tore the veil and he tore it from the bottom, from the top to the bottom. And because he tore it from the top to the bottom, I can walk into his presence. And his presence brings power and his power brings ability. Come on, church. The reason why people talk about presence and they exclude the power is because they identify that there's presence, but they don't go in the presence. You can identify there's presence. You could sense there's presence, but you experience power when you walk into the presence. In the Old Testament, the people of God looked at Moses and said, no, Moses, you go up that mountain. Can you imagine that? No, Moses, it's okay. You come down and tell us what he says. You think about that. Look, what I'm saying is not crazy. But to be people of presence, you must be relational with God. You must have a relationship with him. And I'm here to tell you that God is strong enough and nothing is impossible that he cannot destroy or break. But you got to recognize what your separation is and what your wall is and what, the, what your veil is. Listen, he destroyed the veil 2,000 years and he's still destroying veils today. He's still destroying separation today. Till this day, he's destroying separation. 
He just didn't do it 2,000 years ago. He's still breaking veils. He's still destroying separation. He's still working it out. He's still doing things in today's day and age. There's a verse I want to share with you this morning. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16. And this verse is a verse that, that uh, I want to share with you. It says, let us approach God. What else does it say there? Let us approach God. God's throne of grace with confidence. Somebody say confidence. How many people can do that today? on what you go through in your life, you'll never approach the throne of God. Let's be serious today. But you know, it wasn't me that broke the veil. It was Jesus, and he did it for a purpose and a reason, so I'm just going to walk right through it. It says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, assurance, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy. How many people say amen to that? When you say, I want to receive mercy, that means that God's not going to give you what you deserve. And it says, and we may find grace, and that means that you're going to get what you don't deserve. Did, you make, did that make sense? If not, go listen to it. Rewind, then you can listen to it later. And it says, to help us in our time of need. Now, this is where I want to preach this morning. So many times we find ourselves in a state of need. And if I were to ask you this morning, how many people have seen themselves in a place of need, everyone's going to raise their hand, right? But the point is this, is that everybody has needs, but not everybody goes to the right place to fulfill the need. We all have needs. There's no difference. We all have needs. Married, not married, whatever the case is, we all have needs. And here's breaking news. This is, here, here it is, the most spiritual secret you could ever have. In order for you to fulfill a need, you must go to the presence of God. Because that's what that verse says. Like, I know that my father and his addictions, and some of you guys who are here that I know your testimonies, I know that in your greatest point of need, nobody could help you. As a matter of fact, I loved my dad so much, and I would talk to him so much, but I realized that there was nothing I could do to change him. And, and I, I'm, I'm blessed with my marriage. I mean, I have some dumb fights, and, but I'm blessed in my marriage. I've been with, with Anika since I was 15. She's the only one I've ever been with. I love her. God freed me from a disastrous life because I probably would have had, I don't know how many women in my life. But God freed me from that and gave me Anika at a very young age. So I'm blessed with that, with, with my marriage. I'm blessed. I really am. And I give glory to God every single day for that relationship. I do. It doesn't mean that it's hard and sometimes I have to force myself to, to like her. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the real people said, yep, I know that. So you have need in your marriages. You have need across the board. And I want you to open your eyes and recognize that your need doesn't get filled by coming to church. Oh, let me just go to church. It'll be better. It doesn't happen because this place can't offer you what you really need. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll make your conscience feel good that you came to church, but did you have church? So this mean, it means this, that while we were worshiping, were you just sitting there spectating or did you get in? Did you step in? Did you come in with your issue? Did you say, God, here's my heart. Here's my marriage. Here's my children. Here's, here's my past that I haven't gotten over. Here's my present. Here's my future that I still don't trust you with. Did you get in? Because your help is met when you come boldly to the throne of grace. And why can you come boldly to the throne of grace? Because he tore it from top to bottom. So because he tore from the top to the bottom, he tells you this now. In your time of need, come to my presence and be people of presence. Walk in and experience who I am. That's what God is telling you today. In your desire, in your lust, in your disgust, God says, come in. 
But what happens is that we're so used to recognizing the presence versus getting in the presence that we miss out on his power. So because of that, we don't have the ability. Makes sense. So many times we tell God, God, it's just that you don't hear me and you don't do this. And, and God, and, and your prayer goes on and on because I've been there where I've prayed and, and I've said to myself, I'm talking to myself. Or does it only happen to me? Can you help me out? Help out a brother here. Don't make me feel like I'm so, un, uh, un, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you pray and you open up your eyes and you say, thanks God for listening to me. Talk to you tomorrow. Because there's so many times that I've prayed and I haven't felt a thing. I haven't felt a thing. But it doesn't mean that God isn't doing anything. You see, today I want you to understand something very clear today. God's waiting for you to take advantage of the access that he's given you by destroying every veil and everything that can separate you from the presence he desires with you. So the Bible says again in this verse, in time of need, what do you do? What do you do in time of need? You go to his throne. You go to his throne. You could call your pastor. He may have a word in season for you. But he's not going to meet your need. You're lying to yourself. There's not one pastor I've ever met in the last 25 years that has met my need. There's not one church, not one activity, not one relationship. Nothing has ever met my need like I walk into the presence of the Lord. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning, amen. I've recognized in my life that there is a, a verse that although Paul says it and we say it all the time where he says, he says, Lord, man, you know, within me, in my spirit, I, I really want to do well, man, but this flesh of mine, how many people have ever said that verse? Come on. You know, the flesh, man, is weak, but the spirit, you know, it's, oh, man, I... I'm so tired, Lord. I really want to. But, and you use Paul. You know, you use Paul. You know, when you see Paul in heaven, you're going to say, okay, thanks, man, for that verse, man. I use that so many times in my life. I know it. I've said it so many times. So many times. So many times I've sat before the Lord and said, God, I, I really want to, God, and my ability, Father, I really want to, but I just can't. And you, you know what I'm talking about, right? When I was thinking about this sermon and and just thinking about the constant reminder of the faithfulness of God in my life. I realized that when you walk into the presence of God. Now, now listen to this here this morning. When you walk into the presence of God. God gives you the ability to do the things that he desires for you. And not only does he give you the ability to do the things that he desires for you to do. He gives you the abilities to not do the things you desire to do. But only in his presence. See, you can't fake that stuff. You can fake anything else. You can dress the part. You can serve the part. But when this world demands a relationship with God. For some of you who know my testimony, you know it well. I, I use it quite a bit. But on the sixth miscarriage in our relationship, and I was in the church loving God with everything that I had, the circumstances of this world forced me to get into the presence of God. And I really believe that God allows certain things in our lives to occur so that the problems can usher us into the presence. And the problems usher us into the presence. Therefore, the power is experienced. We must understand as individuals that when we approach God's throne, we could walk in. You could walk in. 
I want to ask you today, what is bringing separation between your relationship with God? What is it? Obviously, you guys know there's no confessional booth here, and we don't believe in that, and Jesus is the only mediator. But think about that. I want to bring that up to your memory today. What is separating you? And we don't, we don't, you know, we, as Christians, right, if, if it's not gross, it's not sin. And that's ridiculous. Do, do you know what that means? Like, if it's not gross sin, it's not sin. That's ridiculous. Like, just because you've gotten over adultery and porn and everything else, you're good. That, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. I don't drink. I, I don't smoke out the way I used to. But you still abuse your wife verbally, and you don't show any love to your kids. And the list goes on and on and on. But, but, but you, you, it's crazy. This is crazy. So if it's not gross, it's not sin. You understand what I'm saying now? So what happens is that your veil is yay high. So you're numb to the presence of God. So you let the enemy lie to you and live a life that God hasn't called you to live. And you do things that's not in your Christian character. And then they say when they went to church, and my answer is yeah, but they had a veil. And their separation was really high. So today I ask you, what's your veil, man? What's separating you? The Bible clearly says that by the power of Christ on the cross and the power of his resurrection, he broke it from the top to the bottom. And there is nothing that can stand in your way. There is no passion. There is no lust. There is no relationship. There's no, listen, there's no, there's nothing that could stand in the way between you and Christ. So the next time you say nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, it's because of what Christ did to the veil. Because nothing can separate you. Nothing. When I had the spouses standing here, standing right next to each other, and I told them to give each other a kiss and to say words of endearment, it might have felt okay because it kind of felt right, but it wasn't what it's supposed to be. We live in that status so much. We walk around that way. We come to church that way. We preach the word that way. We play instruments that way. The guy or the person sitting next to you, maybe not because you know them well, and even if you know them well, you don't really know their hearts, and the person behind you and in front of you, they could be walking into this church and out of this church with veils. A marriage without a veil, a ministry without a veil, a Christian without a veil, a person with an unveiled face to see the glory of God to be recipients of his grace and his mercy, to be transformed, and to have your minds on the, thing of the things of the Lord. Just give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. So how many of you want to remove the uh, natural things in your life that don't belong? You want to do that? You want to do that? See, the only thing and the only way you could do that is by a relationship with God. You don't know how many people I've met as I've been pastoring the last 20, 20 years where people come to me and they, they, they ask me, Pastor, I'm going to be in church on Sunday because of blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking to myself, and that's not going to do anything. Because you could go home, get on your knees and cry out to God and that very presence that is going to be at the church is going to, listen, fall from heaven and go into that bedroom and meet you there. It's not about a place. See, that's the concealed relationship of Jesus. The religious relationship of Jesus. Where in the Old Testament when it was concealed, you'd bring your offering to the altar and although you were doing an act of worship, the person who was actually doing the worship was the high priest. So what you think is, well, pastor, if you pray for me, then you could take my offering into the presence because I don't want to go in. And God is saying, uh, 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 uh. But you want to live in a concealed state where the pastor needs to pray for you. That's the Old Testament way of doing things where the priest is the only one that takes it into the presence. That's real. I tell people all the time. I tell people all the time, they say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm like, man, like, you know, 
Look, I'm all for laying hands on people. I know what the Bible says. I've seen oil. I've seen laying on of hands. I've seen people stand up from wheelchairs. I've seen people receive sight. I'm all about that. I'm, I'm full gospel from Bible to Bible. If you don't like it, Pentecostal. If you don't, if you, that word is too strong for you, then I'm spirit-filled. And if I don't know, whatever, you know, floats your boat. I don't know. But I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes, sometimes, lay hands on yourself. Just do it. Like in a worship service in a corner, just, you know. Because see, it comes from a concealed status of relationship from the Old Testament. Where you would bring your offering to the priest and then the priest would take your offering into the presence because you couldn't go. That's concealed. It's concealed. In the New Testament, the veil is broken from the top to the bottom. So what he's saying is you take your own offering to him. And that's the revealed relationship of Jesus. That's presence, guys. That's presence where you walk into the presence of God. Because before you were not allowed to go in there. It was a warning because God hadn't dealt with sin. But once God dealt with sin and he used Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, as the atonement of our sins. Once God did that with Jesus, now he says, enjoy my revealed status. So as individuals and Christians, we must understand clearly, clearly in our hearts and in our minds that God's relationship with us is of the most importance. You cannot get into the presence of God and you cannot walk into the presence of God with confidence and boldness without understanding that he has broken everything that exists to separate you. So I want to, if you believe in what I've said here today, if, I, if, you've, if you've been on the same page with me here today, how big is your problem today? No, because sometimes you got to put things into the right perspective. How big is your problem for real? Because the Bible says that whatever your problem is or whatever it is that separates you from being where you need to be, God tore it. He broke it. He didn't rip it. He didn't tear it. He broke it from top to bottom where it no longer has any support or any power to keep you behind. So that spouse, that passion you have, that desire you have, that relationship you have, it has power because we give it power and we don't walk into the presence of God. Because when you walk things into the presence of God, it changes. You know, when, as I've come, you know, and there's been a lot of changes in this church and in our church as well, I believe church has got to continuously change, right? Not to lose its revelation, but just to be relevant, relevant, right? Not to lose revelation, but to be relevant. So when I first started coming uh, through the changes, I recognized that there were some flashing lights across the street. You guys recognize that? Oh, you did recognize that. The flashing lights catch anybody's, you know. How many of us, when you're driving and you see a flashing light, you break? Like if you're, 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 you're not speeding, but the minute you see the flashing light, you press the brakes. And you're like, what am I doing? And you, and you, you just look at the thing and you're like, you have to accelerate again. But, but something happens when, when the lights flash, right? Like when I walk into the church and I see the police officer there, I'm like, whoa. How you doing? Because there's a presence there. There's an authority there. Parents in the house, parents, parents. Um, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but at least in my house, and what scripture teaches is, you know, discipline within the home. You're in the same page, right? And however form of discipline you use, then that's, that's your prerogative. But uh, discipline is godly. Uh, you have to discipline your children. It, it's there. Uh, if you don't, then the Bible says that if, he doesn't, if God doesn't discipline us, then we'd be bastards, fatherless. That's what it says. I'm not saying any, calling anybody that name. I'm just saying what the Bible calls us if God doesn't discipline us. And the reason why I say this is because in a home, there's got to be somebody who brings discipline. 
I'm not of the belief that the father is the only individual that has to bring discipline. I believe that mothers are an authoritative figure in the home as well. And they too must be um, respected and have authority as well. So when the mom says, Johnny, stop jumping on the car, then Johnny stops jumping on the car. Example. But there are times, I've heard this. I've heard this happen. <laughs> heard. You got any parents here in the house? Yeah. Well, when I was younger, my dad's Cuban, and he has a look. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a look. And I don't think it matters if you're Cuban, Puerto Rican, American. It doesn't really matter. There's just a look. But when my dad wasn't around, I knew that his presence wasn't around, and my mom was there. So I knew that when the cat's away, the mice could play. But my mom would say, Deja que tu papá llegue. Back in the day, there was no cell phones, so deja que llegue a la casa. But now we have cell phones, so you'll get a call, and then you have to talk to your son on the other line and tell him, hey, you better behave because when I get home, it's going to be me and you in the room. I know a friend. That's, that's I know a friend. <laughs> this is being recorded, right, Rudy? Oh, Jesus. I know a friend, a friend. That when they're out, they have to call me. It's, hey, pastor, can you talk to my son, you know, or hey, talk to your son. You know, I'm just letting it out there for you guys. But the reason why I'm saying is because, Tito, can I get you by the hand? Yeah, no, the other hand, drop that. Yeah. You're very studious. Yeah. <clears throat> See, when my dad, yeah, stand up. When my dad will come home and we hear the car, my mom will grab me by the hand. Say, vamos with tu papá. Just waiting at the door for her, for my dad. <laughs> Scariest moments of my life. <laughs> and the minute that that man would come home, his presence, oh man. We were at a place, and when my dad's presence was there, man, I was like. <laughs> the problem is that at the moment, my mom recognized that I was the problem. But she realized that when she drive the problem and take the problem to the presence of the authority, then the problem straightens up and says, yes, Poppy? <laughs> you see, when you recognize, thank you, Tito. When you, when you recognize that there's a presence and that presence is authority, then you grab that problem and you walk it to the presence. And whatever that problem is, it must heal to the presence. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning, man. So with everything that, I, everything that I said this morning, I, I hope you recognize that we are called to be people of presence, but it's, it's not good just to say that. It was refreshing to walk in to this service today and be part of today's worship service. It was refreshing to me. I've been to a lot of churches and I run a church myself. It's refreshing to be at a place to have people with hearts that just seek God despite whatever people may think. You know, people may walk in and say, well, Pastor, where's the fast music? Where, where was this? Where's the opening? Where's this? Where was that? And they get all caught up in the Old Testament concealed relationship. And they forget about that this is all about relationship and presence. And this whole concealed relationship, man, is, it, it is a religious spirit in our churches that we have to break away from. Today, I'm going to ask you a question. What is separating you today? Do, do, you be, do you want it to be removed today? Examine your life. What is it that is standing between you and God today? I've shown you today in Scripture that God has the power to destroy any separation. And he's called you to live a life that is unveiled with your face, that you can have a one-on-one -on -one with him. And not only that, but you can walk into his presence, man. And whoever's in need today, as I've preached here today, I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm not going to pray for you. No one's going to pray for you. You need to open your mouth. And you need to experience a relationship. You imagine if I call my pastor to tell my pastor, hey, pastor, can you tell my wife I love her? 
just doesn't work. Like looking at your son and saying, hey, Luke, tell mom I love her, all right? Or look at Aliyah and say, hey, Aliyah, can you give your kiss a, a, a kiss to your mother on her cheek for me, please? It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And that's why our relationship with the Lord, Lord does not work. Because you're living a concealed status with him, and he wants a revealed one with you. He really wants you to be people of presence. That's what we're called to be, people of presence and nothing else. Hear me, nothing else. We make it nice. We put the lights, we put the this, and we put the activities. But really, this whole Christianity thing, it's about people of presence and a relationship with the Lord. That's what it's about. We make this things that, listen, we made church something that it, let me stop. Next time I come, we'll talk about it. But I ask myself sometimes, what would Jesus, can I have a musician up here? What would Jesus do if he would walk into one of our churches in modern day America? And um, the statement that I said, I'm not saying it because I'm religious or I'm legalistic. I'm not saying it because of that. I'm saying it because I have reverence towards God. And the church has lost reverence towards God. Respect, reverence, what, what the house of God really represents. The things we allow in here, the things we, we do, which the last thing you'll feel is his presence. Today, um, as I was talking, maybe God has been pulling at your heart and saying, I want you near me, come come. And it's been a while that you haven't walked into his presence. A while. You still come to church. You get me? But you haven't stepped into that presence. And there's a big difference. Because when you walk into his presence, there's no addiction. Man, there's no desire that can stand before God. He crushed it. He tore it. And he gave you access. Today, if you long to be in God's presence and you want God to do something in your life today and you want to remove the boundaries, the limitations, the things that separate you, if that's you today, can you raise your hand in the house of God? Can you come forward with me? Come. A place where you long to be today. A place where you say to your separation, enough is enough. You know, what, what's about to happen here today, and I believe that what's about to happen right now, I don't have power over it or authority over it. I know where it comes from. And that's from the throne of God. Today, I want to let you know if you're up here, God's going to destroy whatever separation is there. A desire of you wanting to be in his presence, saying, God, I want to feel you again. I'm tired of living this relationship from somebody else's experience. I'm tired of living from the drive and the passion the pastor has. I'm tired of doing it because this is the way I was brought up and this is what I was taught. I want to see you today. I want to feel you today. If you're here today, I encourage you, if you're in this altar, just to lift your hands up to God where you're at today. If you've never done it, let today be the first day you've done it, you do it. And right where you're at today, just cry out to him. Let the veil's open right now for you. Come on, speak to him. Talk to him. 
Stop using our prayers as your crutch. Let your words be your own prayer. This is a relationship. This is a revealed thing. This isn't concealed. So many times you wait for me or the pastor or somebody to say something that hits you in the right place. Why don't you say something that hits you in the right place? That's what a relationship is. I can't say the words of endearment to God that he is waiting for you to say. He's waiting for you to say it. Come on, worship him where you're at. Jesus, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hey, tonight, if you have a wall in your life, and spiritually speaking, if there's something that is separating you, something that you know is separating you from the presence of God, something that is defining you and is not allowing you to be people of presence, I want you to come forward today and say, God, have at it. Break this today. Break this area in my life. If that's you today, I want you to come to this altar here today. Fall to your knees here today and cry out to God and say, God, only you could do this. Here I am before your presence, oh God. Father, today in the precious name of Jesus. Father, I want to use your word, scripture where it says to come boldly today. Every individual that is here in this altar has approached your throne boldly. They are here today boldly. Come on, if that's you, say, here I am, God. Tell them that here I am. Father, every individual here is before your throne boldly, oh God. His word says to come in and to receive help. God, pour out your mercy in this place. Pour out your grace in this place as we worship you here, oh God. Let your presence flow in this place. Let it fill this place. I pray in the name of Jesus that the windows of heaven may be opened, oh God. In the precious name of Jesus.